What's going on? What's good? How's everybody doing out there? Welcome to the Ruler of the Court podcast. The Ruler is back. The Ruler being me, myself, Jason Jones. Well, I guess I can't really say the Ruler is back. I'm back for the first time. Maybe you might want to say, I don't know, but this is your first episode of this brand new podcast that's going to give you your king's talk what's going on with the team on and off the court and also going to give you a little mix of my my favorite thing to discuss or one of them uh my love for hip-hop my love for music my love for the hip-hop culture but before we get started on on music and all that those lovely things got a lot to cover with these here sacramento kings i mean it's (laughs) It's, you know, more the same, the more things change, the more things stay the same with the Kings. Uh, At the time of this recording, the Kings have not played the New Orleans Pelicans yet. So maybe some things will change, but I don't think the overall overarching theme of what's wrong with the Kings will change. Because, hey, these are the Kings, the team with the longest active playoff drought going on in the league. So there's always... (laughs) generally something wrong with the Kings. So let's go ahead and dive right into it. Uh, This this episode's headline, the big news, uh, the Kings are soft. Yep, that's right. It comes straight from the players' mouths. It comes straight from watching them play. The Kings are soft. And why why am I saying the Kings are soft? Let's just dive into that right now. Previous seven games. The Sacramento Kings have given up an average of 132 points a game. I'm going to say it again. 132 points a game. Yeah, that's an average of well over 30 points a quarter. I mean, they'd they'd be doing good if it was just 30 points a quarter. Then they'd be at 120. But no. (laughs) 132 points a game. You know how... That's insane. Over a seven-game stretch... Kings are the worst defensive team in basketball. And of all those games, none of those games went to overtime. We're not talking about, you know, a triple overtime game that inflated these numbers and maybe somebody got to 145 because they played an extra 50. No. The Kings are giving this up. They're giving it up in four quarters. It's not pretty. Um, One of the Kings' traditions of recent years, or maybe say the last 14 or 15 years, uh, no defense, little defense. They're out there giving you all of that right now. Just, well, that's part of the problem. They're not giving you the defense. And just how did we get here? I don't, you know, it's, (laughs) this is a group that talks about, you know, they talked all before the season they were going to be, they were not going to lay down. They were going to, you know, fight teams that, you know, they weren't going to be pushovers. You had De'Aaron Fox. You know, going at the meet, you know, a media member, uh, my buddy Amin El Hassan, about a little flippant joke comment remark he made about De'Aaron not being John Morant. You know, my guy Rashawn Holmes, the guy I really like. You know, not that I don't like De'Aaron, but I do like De'Aaron. But that was one example. You got Rashawn replying to Richard Jefferson when Richard Jefferson said, you know, he tweeted that he felt sorry for uh, Luke Walton, King's coach. Uh, also, Rich's you know college teammate at Arizona, but he felt sorry for him. He said the Kings had the worst roster in the NBA. I thought that was harsh. Clearly, Rashawn replied like, "Hold up, you know, accept it to that." But these last seven games, <laughs> they're not doing anything to change your mind or anyone's mind. That's not this is not the worst team in basketball. It's by the way they've played. 
not based on the record, just by the way they've played. Like I said, 132 points allowed per game. I'm trying to think, how could I give up 132 points in a video game? I'm thinking probably set it on 12, got to be at least 10, 12-minute quarters on 2K to get that high. That's pretty damn impressive to give up 132 points per game. So you have all these guys who are, you know, they're going back at the media members. They're taking their this disrespect. They're not going to take it anymore. You know, you're not going to talk about our team. And then you go out there and do what the Kings did last Friday. You go out there and essentially lay down for the L.A. Clippers. Just let an eight-point game turn into a 38-point loss. And really, and, and I've seen some, you know, since 2008, 2009, I've seen some, well, Pretty sad efforts defensively. That's right up. That got to be top five amongst the worst defensive efforts I've seen from this franchise. Just to go out there and let a team. I mean, we uh, we all know Paul George is an all star. Paul's having an amazing season. Kawhi Leonard's Kawhi Leonard, you know. But Clippers didn't have Lou Williams out there. He wasn't out there, you know, coming off the bench, you know, giving them work. But no, you did. You had Luke Kennard getting loose. You had. Marcus Morris, you had Terrence Mann. They, they turning all of these guys into wow, the stars. And yeah, it was it was pretty ugly. And it kind of goes back to that those two quarters where they just, like I said, essentially just said, okay, we're gonna let the Clippers do whatever they want to us. Just brings us back to a bigger issue with this team. Like you know, just. What's up with the core of this team? You know, not just you know, just kind of the eternal uh, makings of this team. Because to go out there like that, I don't want to hear a damn thing about a coach. I don't care who your coach is. For you to go out there and play like that, to play essentially like you have no pride, like you just didn't care, that's not on the coach. You can't, uh, these are grown men, these are professionals. No one should have to motivate you to go out there and play. As Glenn Robinson said after the game, which is another story as to why no, that Glenn Robinson was speaking for the team Friday night. You know, that's another issue I'll get to later. I'm talking about the core of the team. But as he said, if you need Luke Walton, if you need Rico Hines, or you need someone to come there and get you hype, you're in the wrong business. These guys are paid well. And I'm usually not the Mr. Well, look at their paycheck. You know, I, that's not my thing. I don't get in. I, I don't think you should judge these guys just solely off how much money they make, but these are professional athletes. And you people want to tell me that, you know, they need a coach to motivate them? No, you don't. How about the fact that Paul George is beating your head in? How about the fact that Kawhi Leonard's doing whatever he wants? About some pride. Haven't seen enough of that in the last couple of weeks. And maybe by the time <laughs> they, the Kings get on the road this coming week, maybe they'll find some of that pride. You know, they'll be playing Memphis and... Coming up in you no know, not too distant future, maybe they'll find some pride on their you know on, on out there on the road. Maybe something will you know register and they'll get this thing going. But right now, not a lot to be proud about, you know. Because hey, like I said, defense is about effort, pride, tenacity, things the Kings are not exhibiting right now, and it's 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 tough to watch. I ain't gonna lie, it's tough to watch. You know, I <laughs> took a little chance. It's gonna be a dry January for me. No Hennessy, no crown, no nothing. I was going to you know, try to get my health right, but you watch the Kings enough, I tell you. You might need to sip something during the game. You know, I didn't do that, but if I could have, I might have just because watching them play defense is a 
sad, sad, sad situation right now. And whew, don't really know what to say much more about that. But now that we've covered the defense, I want to kind of get to, as I said, the core of the team. A lot of this talk about the Kings is they're a young team, they're a young team, they're a young team. And, and as I say, they are a young team. You know, in some areas, you know, De'Aaron Fox is still a, he's in his fourth year, but he's like, you know, he's still a young, younger guy. He's 20, you know, about 23, you know, Marvin Bagley's hasn't even played 90 games in his career, even though he's in his third season. He's still, you know, relatively young. But if you look at the Kings rotation, the only really, really, really young guy on the team is rookie Tyrese Halliburton. He's in, 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 quite honestly, a lot of these nights, he looks way more composed than some of the vets. That's the problem. So, I go back to the core of this team, you know. And when I say the core, I'm talking about Fox, Buddy Yield, Marvin Bagley. Those are your three young, you know, you know, core nucleus pieces right now. And I, I would throw Halliburton in there, too. You know, I'm looking at guys, you know, outside of Buddy, three guys still on their rookie deals. Fox's max deal kicks in next season. But these are kind of your young core pieces. And when, t- when times get tough, these are the guys you should be looking to to kind of right the ship. I know people will say Harrison Barnes is in that mix. I would agree that Harrison's a leader on this team. But in terms of who has to be the best players for this team to be successful, you start with the backcourt with this team. You start with De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Hill. And quite, they, they, just, they, weren't, they haven't been giving what the team needs consistently enough. For this team to have a chance to fight. It's quite, you know, so you have to look at can this, can that core, those four guys, are they on course to build something that you would say, you know what? They got something there. I don't want to judge them all off of this week or these last seven games. But right now, you know, Marvin's still got room to grow. But you got to put that spot, you know, and I think Tyrese has shown that he has the potential to be probably the, the number one guy on this team in the not too distant future. So that puts the spotlight on the two guys, Buddy and De'Aaron. De'Aaron spoke to the media on Saturday and talked about how this is after Harrison Barnes came out and fought out, said the team had been soft. This is why they can't stop anybody. They're just being they're just soft. They played soft. And I would 100%, well, 200% agree that, yes, they are. They have been soft. It, you know, it's, it's been laughable. But de- with, back to De'Aaron. What De'Aaron is saying that, you know, it's about, you know, being more consistent. And he, then he said it starts with him. And I'm glad he said that because that, that's probably the most the truest thing he said during his media time. It does start with him. You don't give a guy a max contract. I mean, if you look at the guys that got max contracts. De, uh, from the 2017 draft class, De'Aaron's the only one who hasn't been an all-star. He's the only one, I think, who hasn't been to the playoffs. So the spotlight, rightfully so, is on De'Aaron right now. What are you going to do to fix this thing? What are you going to do to get this thing going? And going back for the last two or three years, one of the questions the Kings internally, you know, whether it be front office, you know, coaching-wise, I've always had about De'Aaron is, is he going to be that guy who's going to be a no that leader? Is he going to be that guy who we can turn to to be that franchise cornerstone? Is he a you know elite level all star, or is he just a maybe just a very good player? You know, is he is he Mike Conley? You no, know, who's had a you know a 
a great career but has never been that franchise player? Or is he Russell Westbrook? Is he that guy who's just going to impose his will and just dominate games? And right now, he's way more Mike Conley than he is, you know, than he is a Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, you know. And right now, De'Aaron's averaging about 19 points, 5 assists, shooting 45%, about 35% from 3 but tad above 70% you know, from the free throw line. Just those aren't, you know, superstar numbers. Those aren't all-star numbers, especially when your team is 5 and 8. You know, you don't get a pass for being a good leader when your team is 5 and 8. And really right now no one's giving De'Aaron a pass, and right now he shouldn't get a pass because he's not playing up to the level he needs to play at on a consistent level. We see flashes of it. You know, we saw it a couple of games ago against Portland when he, you know, put up some decent numbers against Dame and CJ. We saw it a little bit against, you know, Indiana when he went against Malcolm Brogdon. But De'Aaron's got to be a pain in the ass for everybody. He plays every single night on both ends of the court. Teams should hate having to see De'Aaron Fox on the schedule. They, the opposing point guard should be like, oh, damn, here we go again. I got to chase this dude around. And he's going to be a pain on defense. He's going to use those long arms and that that quickness. He's going to he's going to you know frustrate me. It's going to be a pain. He's going to make it hard for me to get up the court. That should be the standard. That should be the norm. That should be setting the table. And I think may, you know perhaps maybe these you know this last couple of weeks that'll put De'Aaron in that mindset because as I said, that was one of the questions about De'Aaron is just not not his talent, but does he have the intangibles to be a leader? It's something I've talked to him about. It's something he said, you know, he's always said he's working at getting better, about being more vocal. But I think right now, it's not so much the being vocal that they need from De'Aaron. They need the play. They need him to play like a franchise player. Yeah, true, maybe De'Aaron's not a, you know, a number one, top five, top ten type player eventually. He's not in that elite you know build a team you know build a team around that guy or that guy as the centerpiece maybe he's not but for what you know what he can be right now is a guy that as the season goes on where where teams around the league say you know what he's playing at an all-star level you know he's shown flashes he showed flashes last you know about a year a little more than a year ago when the kings went on that run over about a 20 game stretch to get themselves in a position that you no know, earn a trip to the bubble, they went 13 and seven over 20, and De'Aaron played some of the best basketball of his career. He showed it early on in the bubble when he got there, and where he was aggressive, attacking, going at going at guys. He's shown that he can do it. But as he said, and I co-sign, and I'm pretty sure coach staff co-signs. He's got to do he's got to do it all the time. It's one of those things where De'Aaron's talked about it, and he said the coaches ask him. Why don't why aren't you aggressive all the time? And he really has no answer. No, I don't know. And that's if he's going to be the leader of this team. The one thing we can never question about De'Aaron, if he's the leader of this team, is his aggression. There should never be a question of whether or not De'Aaron is going all out all the time. And right now there are questions about it just because you can't, you know, he can't outscore Reggie Jackson, you know, 14 to 11. No, that that that's that can't be acceptable. That can't be the standard. The standard must be higher for him, you know. And I think for this team to ever become good, 
the standard of play for everyone must be raised. But it starts with your best player. This is a player's league, and, you know, the guys on the team have all said De'Aaron Fox is their best player. So that being said, they need more from De'Aaron Fox. And then that takes us over to the other guy in the backcourt, Buddy Heald. Now, I will never question Buddy Heald's work ethic, his desire. I think Buddy Heald's one of the hardest working guys I've ever seen, you know, in the, that I've covered in the league. I mean, Buddy is a straight gym rat. But that being said, they need more for Buddy. And I think, you know, Buddy said the right things, but Buddy's got to do, also got to bring that as well. You know, he's averaging 15 points, four, about four rebounds, three assists, but he's shooting 36% from the field, 36% from three. And overall, his numbers are, you know, just down. I mean, he's trying a lot harder on defense, which is great, but he got that big contract, you know, four years worth up to $106 million. I mean, he's not going to hit all the incentives. I mean, some of them incentives are defensive, and come on now. That's not going to probably hit. That's not going to happen, but. You get that contract because you're one of the best shooters in the game. And he's got to shoot. You know, they need him shooting like that. You know, you know, he's getting up a ton of threes, which I, as I expected he would this year. He's, you know, he's going to get up a ton of those. But he's got to, he's got to uh, overall bring that entire shooting percentage up. Shooting 36% for the season. You know, even though it's a long season. You know, that's not, you know, we got enough games now. We can say this is not. It may qualify as a slight slump for Buddy in terms of his shooting. You know, teams are defending him differently. But, you know, my man is getting up an insane amount of threes per game. As, you know, as you know, he's up, he's up right now prior to playing the Pelicans. Almost 15 threes a game, which is where he was last, about where he was last season. But he's just not making them at the same rate. So it's just, oh, it's, it, yo. So, yeah, it's, this is gonna be, <laughs> this is gonna be, you know, something to watch. You know, I just think it's. Uh, actually, let me let me dial that back. I I think I might have misspoke on his three. He actually had eleven. I was uh, sorry, I had the wrong stats in front of me. Y'all forgive me. You know, watching the Kings play defense is fried my brain. Buddy's at about eleven threes per game, which is where he was last year, making about four. So. So, yeah, that's about where he is. But, no, you can't have him shooting, you know, 36% overall. I mean, he's taking 15 shots a game. He's making five and a half, you know, on average five and a half shots a game. Where he's been, you know, he hasn't been at that level since his rookie year in terms of shot making. The Kings need more from him, you know. But he has all the confidence in the world to shoot. But he's got he's to give them more. I don't think I'm not breaking any news with saying that, but he has to give them more. The Kings need more from Buddy Hill. So, if this thing is going to get turned around, from where I sit, it starts with those two guys in the backcourt, then it flows from there. If De'Aaron's being a dog on the ball defensively, like I said, Buddy is not going to be Tony Allen. Buddy is not going to be Kawhi Leonard on the perimeter. But as long as Buddy is giving effort and trying, you can cover up for maybe some of his deficiencies. But you can't have, no, you can't you can't only have Harrison Barnes and Rashawn Holmes being your solid defenders and then have three weak links around that. You can't have that. 
Because what you have is you get what the Clippers did to you. The Clippers are going to you get your ass, your head handed to you, your ass beat, which is what happened to them. And it'll keep on happening until the, these guys as a group hold each other accountable, until the coaching staff also holds them accountable, and they do better. But if they're going to play defense like that, I'd rather watch Corey Joseph and Tyrese Halliburton in the backcourt knowing they're at least trying if they're making mistakes where there's no question about their effort. And it's a damn shame that for a team that says it wants to make the playoffs, they're tired of being a butt of the joke of teams around the league that we're talking about effort. That's, that right there tells you all you need to know about what's going on with this season. Which brings me to my last point about this here Kings team. It's just about the culture. We talked about how they're doing, how this core, though that young core, so to speak. Because I'm not going to call them a young team. They, have, they do have a young nucleus, but overall, I don't think this is a young team. But it brings us to the culture. Uh, I go away, like I said, I've been covering this team, as you, most of you all know, since 2009. So I've got a long history of veterans who come to this team and ask me, has it always been this way? I'm like, pretty much, yeah. And what they mean is the young, anointed, or you know, so-called best young player on the team not being held accountable, not being held to a high enough standard to turn things around. And... Let's just do recent history with the group, this kind of young group that you have right now. You had Iman Shumpert who would get into people about not, not, not playing hard. You know, you had him before. Then after Iman, you know, Kings got tired of Iman or whatever. They didn't think he was a good influence in the locker room, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. They move on from They trade Iman. You eventually get Harrison Barnes in there. And you finish out the you know 2018-19 season. But you get last year. The, you know, Trevor Ariza side-eyeing these, you know, some of these guys about their effort. But, of course, you know, the way King's Twitter, King's fans work, no one liked Trevor Ariza. So, you know, and plus, if they probably, you know, the Kings were probably playing him a little more than they planned to play him. But that's just the way the season was shaking out for whatever reason. Luke Walton trusted him. So Luke was going to go to the guy he trusted, you know, just, you know, to get stops or to, to be a defender. So you, you move on from him. You get Kent Bazemore in. Kent Bazemore is talking about being, you know, discipline, accountability. No, the, the, that's what Bays is talking about. You fast forward to this season. Bays is now in Golden State. Now it's Glenn Robinson and Hassan Whiteside saying the exact same things. And they are not going to call anyone out by their name, which is because, you know, you're going to protect your teammates. But if everyone's saying there's not a culture of accountability or we need to be more accountable, we need, you know, to give more effort on that end. That points back to whoever the building blocks or the core building pieces of that team. So, as of now, you know, De'Aaron, Buddy, Marvin, these guys are all on notice. All of, I think the only one right now who's going to get a pass from anyone is Tyrese being a rookie. But, like I said, I'm, I'm starting with the backcourt. Those guys have got to be better. They've got to, they've got to show the culture is different. Because right now the culture doesn't look any different at all. I don't care if you replace the coach. I don't care who's. I don't. I'm not convinced that they're going to be any different. I mean, some of those guys from that group didn't like playing for Dave Yeager. You get rid of Dave. You get a coach, and they all say they like. You know, he communicates so much better. He always lets us know what's going on. Same effort. At some point, you have to ask: Are these efforts in their DNA? Can it be changed? That's what I'm looking for, starting with the New Orleans game and then the road trip. Can they show that they're not just the same old Kings? Right now, 
I'm about ready to just go ahead and go f- full into uh, draft mode and wonder who they're going to pick in the lottery. So, with that being said, I've talked way, I've talked enough about the Kings and their problems, and we're going to talk a lot about the Kings and <laughs> probably their problems all, all all season. But I want to jump into something I'm really excited to talk about. Uh, my hip hop segment, my music segment, yo, this is what I do. This segment might get, you know, flipped over the course of the season. I might mix in some, you know, some pop culture reality TV stuff. Y'all, y'all, if you follow me on Twitter, you know, I'm random. I might be talking about Real Housewives of Atlanta. Don't judge me. I like trash TV sometimes. I might talk about pro wrestling. You don't know where I'm going to go with this, but the staple of this of the ruler of the court podcast shout out to slick rick shout out to jay-z with the rulers back you know all that stuff is that i rule this court and we're going to talk about one thing i love to talk about like i said is hip-hop and i'm gonna i'm gonna start off by taking everyone back in history past week was the anniversary the i can't believe i'm saying this the 30-year anniversary of the release of one of the best hip hop west coast hip hop albums of all time one of the uh albums that you know put me into further had me enveloped or engulfed in 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 the rap world uh January 15th 1991 on Profile Records this album quick is the name by the legendary DJ Quick dropped 30, like I said, 30 years ago. Man, I'm old. I was in middle school when this dropped. Had no business knowing all these songs. <laughs> had no business listening to them. Starting with track number one. I had no business knowing this music, but I did. But this is a monumental album in music history, particularly West Coast history. And why is this album important? I'm going to give you a few reasons. Y'all can tweet me. Y'all can hit me on Instagram, whatever you want to do. And I tell me I'm wrong. But I don't think I'm wrong. I rule this court. I know I'm right. I'm going to give you some reasons why this album was so important. At that point in the game, you know, the West Coast had been defined by, you know, the likes of N.W.A., you know, Ice Cube, all that whole genre, Ice-T. You had... Or you had the, the the other direction, kind of more the pop, poppy hip-hop. You know, you had MC Hammer. You had, you know, Young MC. All people I like, by the way. And being a kid, it was cool because your mom let you listen to Young MC and MC Hammer because they weren't cussing. So, but what Quick did, I think he brought a different type of musicianship to West Coast hip-hop. You know... You know, his he had a you know, his beats were smooth, he had you know, they were melodic. He introduced, you know, the interlude quick's groove, which was just, you know, instruments and melodies. He brought a different kind of flavor to the game. And that flavor would, you know, then carry on into some of his production work where he, you know he he produced stuff for Tupac, you know. I still to this day say the beat for Hearts of Men that Quick produced is one of the is a timeless beat. You know, I could I could play Hearts of Men on repeat to this day. And that song is, my God, 25 years old. Yeah, I'm, I feel old right now. But he he brought that, you know. You saw him jump on, you know. He was able to produce with people like Jay-Z. Quick crossed over into R&B with uh, doing stuff with Tony, Tony, Tony. 
Yo, he did some his music, his music and his style had an impact not just on West Coast hip hop, but hip hop as a whole. And side note, Quick's hairstyle had an impact on my prom here in 1996 when I wore pressing curl to the prom. Uh, might share them pictures one day on social media, but yeah, your boy did uh, get the, go to the shop and get the hair pressed out for the prom because I was trying to be fly like guys like Quick. You know, have my pink rollers in, but that's like I said, I'm going, <laughs> I'm kind of veering off on y'all right now, but like I said, this album right here is, is to me is one of the best you know, albums ever talking about, you know, the, the single tonight, you know, just to you know the tale of a guy drinking too much and yeah, you're going to do it again tonight. You know, you're going to do it again, you know, you know, in this born and raised in Compton, it was a different type of, it, it wasn't that hard, you know, boom, straight out of Compton and NWA gave you, it was a different thing, you know, and yeah, you know introduced some of us who had no business knowing about it introduced us to you know Sako and Jen you know that's probably not good for a kid to know about but it what but hey it is what it is but this album right here like I said established a different type of music for the west coast it gave us you know second to none high c amg Mossberg, just uh, it, it, you know, it gave us some other stuff, and then Quick would go on to give us other classics, you know, way too funky, you know, which gave us the single Just Like Compton. He gave us, you know, Dollars and Cents, his, his back and forth with MC8. He just it just spawned so much, and it was gangster rap, but it was like a it was smooth gangster rap, if if that makes any sense to y'all. So I wanted to shout out and give credit and props to the one and only DJ Quick who actually I did see at a Kings Clippers game he was performing at halftime in retrospect I should have said something I got a picture and autograph something not an autograph at least a picture you know he's one of my favorite all-time artists but hey I wasn't trying to be you know I wasn't trying to be a little fanboy or nothing at that moment but one thing I've 2020 taught me was that you know what you got to take advantage of some of the moments. Don't let memories pass you by. And so that's why I wanted to start this thing off by taking y'all back in history a little bit on a little hip hop. You know, hit me up if you've got a disagreement. I'd love to debate this. You know, we can have some fun with it. And let me know what you're listening to. Right now, I've actually kind of been a little more of an R&B thing. I've been on this new Jasmine Sullivan, this Hotels. I love how, <laughs> you know, she's... You know, giving women a, uh, a voice, a platform to speak their truth in a different way. That ain't hip-hop, but hey, to me, I'll we can talk about anything about music. Let me know what you're listening to new, what you think is coming out. You think I might like, we can discuss it here. This time we did a, you know, a trip in hip-hop history. I might go back 30 years. I might go back a year. I might do something current next time. I can't tell you, but just know you're going to get your good King's Talk here. My un the unadulterated, unfiltered point of view that I only I can give you, and we're gonna go here and dive into a little music every now and then. Probably even have some musical guests, you know. Hopefully, you know, not just Kings guests, maybe mixing some music and sports, you know, because we all know that basketball players all want to be rappers, and all rappers want to be basketball players. So, hey, it is what it is. So I'm not gonna drag this out much longer, y'all. 
I appreciate you checking out the very first episode of the Ruler of the Court podcast. I am the ruler of this court. I'm your honored, so honored to be your host. I am Jason Jones of The Athletic, of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm just everywhere. Y'all know where to find me. Check me out on Twitter, Mr. Underscore Jason Jones. Instagram, Mr. Jones LBC. Uh, theathletic.com and yeah we're gonna keep this thing rolling thanks again i appreciate you hit me up we will we can keep chopping this thing up and keep making this thing bigger and better appreciate it catch you next time and i'm out